Matthew 6 and 6, but thou when thou prayest, everybody say when, not if, not if, but when, slap your neighbor and say when you pray, enter into thy closet and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret and thy father, which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Your father lives in a secret place. Your father lives in a secret place. It's not obvious, is it? Where he is. Hello, somebody. It's not obvious. He's hidden. Mark chapter 4, verse 22. For there's nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. I want to preach to you on this topic tonight, the seven dimensions of prayer. The seven dimensions of prayer. Put your Bibles down. Get your eyes off the screen. Lift your hands. Close your eyes. Lift your voice. Let's pray God have his way right now. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bind every spirit that is not of God. And I loose the mighty angels of the Lord in this house right now. I pray that the gift of faith would come upon us to pray and to seek your face and to know you consistently every day. I pray against every hopeless spirit. God, the strong man that is a hopeless feeling of the future, a hopeless present feeling. I curse you in the name of Jesus Christ and I release the joy of the Lord of the presence of God in this house tonight. Cause us to enter into a new dimension of prayer. Cause an excitement and a joy of prayer to come upon us tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray and everybody said in Jesus name. Clap your hands one more time in a crazy way and let's praise God together with our voices. Now, most of you, before you're seated, most of you want this, but there are a few deadheads here. And I just want to tell you, do not allow the attitude of the deadhead to contaminate your worship. Don't let their condemnation get on you. I want us to do that again. I want you to throw off everything that would stop you from going a little bit crazy for Jesus. Let's clap our hands again and worship God with all of our might. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Bahaya. Praise the living God. Give three people a high five. Say, you are the only one that matters and you may be seated. If you could turn me back up just a hair. Why do we pray? Why do we pray? Why do we have to pray? Why do we have to ask God to do something he already wants to do? Why do we pray? Every person that is born is bound by one of two spiritual laws. Paul said there is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And then there is the law of sin and death. There are two laws. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And then there is the law of sin and death. Let me explain how these work. Our flesh comes from the earth. This body, this human flesh 
comes from the earth. The Bible says when we die, our flesh returns to the earth from whence it came. Dust shall return to dust. When you die and you get buried, your flesh that you have washed, bathed, shampooed, showered, clothed, deodorized, and perfumed is going to turn into nasty, gooky, worm-infested dust. Isn't that nice? That's where we come from. We come from the earth. Then you have the spirit. The Bible says the spirit comes from God. When you die, your body will return to the earth. Your spirit will return to God who gave it. And then in the middle of this is our soul. Everybody say the soul. We are a nephesh, a living soul, a living creature, a, an eternal being housed in a temporary body. And when you die, your soul is going to spend eternity in one place or another. It's going to spend eternity in hell or heaven. I personally like heaven better. I've read a few things about it. A little bit more exciting in my opinion. I want to go to heaven. Anybody else? Hell doesn't seem too nice. So, so our flesh, because it comes from the world, it gives Satan access to our soul. Your flesh is the channel through which Satan accesses your soul. Your spirit is the channel through which God accesses your soul. When you deny your spirit by not praying, by not fasting, by not worshiping, by not reading your Bible, by not going to church consistently, when you deny your spirit, Satan's access through the flesh is strengthened. When you deny your flesh by praising, by worshiping, by praying, by reading your Bible, by going to church, by dancing, by rolling on the floor and spitting on each other in church, when you deny your flesh, God's access through the spirit is magnified, it's strengthened. We pray to destroy the flesh and sever Satan influ Satan's influence to our souls. Amen. We pray to strengthen the spirit and magnify God's influence in our souls. When we are born again, our direct connection to the first Adam is replaced by a direct connection to the second Adam, Jesus Christ. Connected to Adam... Our inheritance is sin and death. Everybody say sin and death. Connected to Jesus, our inheritance is righteousness and eternal life. Okay, you got it? These are the two laws that are working. Prayer gives us access to God. This is the joy of prayer. This is the excitement of prayer. This is the exuberance of prayer. This is the electrical current that will come to you when you tap in in prayer. Prayer gives us access to God. Prayer messages are only boring to people who do not pray. For people who pray, you want to learn as much about prayer as you can because it's your life. It is your lifeline. You... Eat it, breathe it, drink it, sleep it. Prayer becomes the sweetest. I'm telling you the truth. Prayer is the sweetest thing in my entire existence. Because prayer gives me access to the presence of the Lord. Now, I'm married. I have a gorgeous wife. I have three snotty-nosed septic tank little boys who I love dearly. I've got a puppy dog, a beautiful little puppy dog. It's a cavalier, King Charles, half, half of that and half of a golden retriever. So it's going to be a perpetual puppy for the rest of its life. I've got, 
a house. I've got a car. I've been to Disney World. I've done all kinds of great things on the planet. I've been to Europe. I've been to all these places. And nothing, 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 nothing can compare to being in the presence of the Lord when it's he and I communing to each other. He tells me, I love you, Joey. I tell him, I love you, Jesus. There's nothing on the planet that can compare. It is the greatest joy that this life has to offer. It's in the presence of the Lord. And prayer is an incredible bargain. When we pray, God blesses. When we pray, God delivers. We pray, God helps. We pray, God strengthens. We pray, God God gives us what we need. It's an incredible bargain. When we pray, David said, the Lord daily loadeth us with benefits. You get all kinds of benefits from being with Jesus Christ. If you do not pray, you should expect to struggle. You should expect it. Some of you are dealing with the same stinking spirits that you were dealing with at youth camp back in July. I see it on you. I recognize it. It's the same exact spirit that had your mind in July. It has your mind right now. Why? Because you have refused to pray a daily prayer. And Satan's access to your mind has not been severed through the flesh. And if you do not pray daily, breaking through your flesh, I'm just getting real with you all tonight. If you don't pray daily, if you don't find yourself a place, I don't care if it's at your house or at the church or wherever, walking through your neighborhood, if you do not find a place of daily prayer, you are going to be live for the lion who walketh to and fro in the earth seeking whom he may devour the only thing that gives Satan access to devour you is a prayerless life you, you become like a wounded animal that lion scanning the herd of zebra and all of a sudden there's one with a stripe on the back and his leg is cut and he's kind of limping who do you think that lion's looking at? he's not looking at the handsome dude up front Leading the charge across the plains and dust coming out of his nose. I don't care about that. He looks at the crippled in the back. And when you refuse to pray, Satan says, I'm coming after you right there. I'm coming after you. If you do not pray, you're going to fight battles that are horrific. In your mind, in your emotions, confusion, desperation, depression. You're going to fight things that are going to overcome you. Why? Because Satan has access to your mind. You're going to deal with temptations you were never supposed to deal with. Now, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes it's a battle to pray. Anybody? I got six head nods and a few hands. Can anybody admit that sometimes it's a battle to pray? I don't know about you guys, but the angels are not always singing when I go to pray. Jesus doesn't sit down with a cup of coffee with me and say, hey, man, how you doing? Doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes, maybe seven out of ten times, I'm having to fight this stinking flesh and put it under subjection. I'm having to battle. It is a battle to pray, but you simply must choose which battle you are going to fight. Either you fight the battle for daily prayer or you fight a hundred other battles you were never supposed to fight. Some of the temptations you dudes are dealing with, you were never supposed to deal with. Some of the stuff you ladies are dealing with, you were never supposed to deal with. 
Because you were supposed to fight the battle in daily prayer. And if we can make up in our minds, we're going to pray daily. Those battles that you've been fighting, all of a sudden, they're not even there anymore. Because Satan doesn't look at you as bait. He looks at you like a threat. He wants to back away from you. What does the Bible say? Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. He will run from you. He will run away from you. He does not want to tangle with someone Who's been in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. You can pray until heaven opens up for you. Who said amen? You can pray until heaven opens up for you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, heaven opens. Jesus shows up. I'm telling you, and when I look back on my life with God, especially as a young man, the greatest moments in my life were in church. I'm telling you, when I was slobbering on myself, when I was rolling like a drunk fool on the floor, man, those were the greatest moments in my life. I never felt more loved. I never felt more secure, more confident in myself. I never felt more, more happy about my future. I, when I was in the presence of God and God had broken all the stuff in my flesh and I had stayed long enough for God to do a work in me that was powerful. It is the greatest feeling on earth to live in the breakthrough level in prayer. There are fundamental laws to prayer that must be observed. Prayer requires speaking. You got to open your mouth. And there's something about the voice. The more you release your voice, the more you give God access to your emotions. The more you lift your voice, the more freely your voice flows, the greater access God has to your emotions. People that sit quietly and just kind of whisper prayer, you are guarding yourself. You are protecting yourself. Listen, I want to give God access to every part of me. Hold, withholding nothing. We were just singing it. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. I surrender all to you. How do you do that? Give him your voice. That's why I want you to shout. I'm telling you, you cannot stop a breakthrough from coming if people shout with their voice. Use your voice. Slap your neighbor and say, use your voice. God said, let there be light. He spoke it. Jesus spoke to the mountain. He used his voice. Jesus said, ask anything in my name. Use your voice. When you use your voice, God puts his creative power in your mouth. You can actually speak and pray things into existence that didn't exist before. Prayer requires time. Everybody say time. It's easier to pray an hour a day than it is to pray half an hour a day. It's easier to pray an hour a day than it is half an hour a day. Seems kind of counterintuitive, Brother Campitella. That means I'm staying twice as long. Isn't it harder? No, because the longer you stay in the presence of the Lord, the easier it is to pray. It's easier to pray two hours a day than it is to pray one hour a day. Hello, somebody. I'm getting some real courtesy. Y'all give me cute little head nods. Oh.
It's easier to pray two hours a day than it is one hour a day. Because Jesus will help you. He will come to you. Anybody hungry for what I'm talking about? Don't lie to me. If you're hungry, I'm talking to you, okay? A flow of prayer will come upon you. The longer you spend in prayer, the better prayer gets. If your prayer life is boring, it's because you're not spending enough time praying. If your prayer life is dry and dead, you're not spending enough prayer time. I'm telling you, the fundamental key to taking your prayer life to the next level is add a few more minutes to your daily prayer. It'll take you to a whole nother prayer. Prayer requires consistency. Everybody say consistency. Consistency. If you pray all night tonight and you miss the next week, you're going to be right down in the pit again. But if you pray every day, every day, somebody say every day. Every day, if you pray every day, a consistency will come inside of you. God will be able to talk to you consistently. He will visit you consistently. Don't tell me in this day of technology and this day of everything we're doing, networking and all the internet and all the junk we have. Don't tell me that we cannot be consistent in our prayer life. That's a lie from hell. You can be consistent. Prayer is the spiritual equivalent to breathing. Prayer is the spiritual equivalent to drinking water. Imagine going one day and you're gulping down as much as you can. Youth convention, man. You're at the altar. You're putting your toes at the steps. And tomorrow, you don't do nothing. Monday, you don't do nothing. What's happening? You're going without that drink. You're going without that living water. You will become severely dehydrated spiritually. But when you breathe every day, God breathes a fresh life into you, a daily life into you that will carry you through every trial, every temptation. There will not be anything you face that you cannot overcome through prayer. You can overcome anything through prayer. You can overcome every day. There's no devil big enough to stop you. There's no devil big enough to keep you down. There's no temptation bad enough to hold you back. Uh, there's no obstacle too great. Uh, if you'll pray daily, 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 if you'll pray daily, 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 God will give you the power to overcome everything, everything. If you'll pray every day. There are things that can hinder your worship, hinder your praise and hinder your prayer life. Sin will hinder you. It'll be like an iron ceiling above your head. I've seen some of you, you have not prayed through your sin and the condemnation of the devil is in your mind. And you try to pray and you got this squinty look when you pray and you're trying to talk to God, but there is a iron ceiling above your head because you refuse to give that sin to the Lord. Sin will disconnect you from the presence of God. That's why when you come into this place, you ought to lay it down and say, Jesus, I'm sorry for every sin. Anything I've done to displease you, I give it to you, Lord. I pour it out. I don't want to be a sinner. When you repent of your sins, God will remove that ceiling and all of a sudden you'll have access to him all over again. Carnality. Everybody say carnality. Flesh. Everybody say flesh. Flesh will hinder your prayer life. It'll hinder your worship. If you're living in the flesh all week long and you try to come to church and get in the spirit, you're going to have some lions to fight. That flesh will keep you down for the carnal mind is enmity against God. This flesh is hostile to God. 
He don't want anything to do with the Spirit. And when you walk in the flesh, you cannot please God. You will fulfill the lust of the Spirit. Flesh will hinder your walk with God. Media. Oh, I'm telling you the truth. Media will hinder your walk with God. I just listened to a message from Billy Cole. Anybody ever heard the name Billy Cole? Few of you have. He saw like, you know, 12 million people get the Holy Ghost. Went to Ethiopia, turned the country upside down. Went to Thailand, turned the country upside down. This was Billy Cole. Billy Cole raised people from the dead. Billy Cole did all kinds of stuff. Billy Cole said in 1991 at Louisiana camp meeting, this was back in 1991. This is back when the internet was just a, just a burgeoning thought in the minds of these tech gurus. He said, if we can get over the temptation that media has upon us, especially television, we can have revival. You don't have to clap. This was back in 1991, folks. And now we have, we have smartphones. You can do more with a smartphone than you could in 1991, that's for sure. You got access to anything you want. It will hinder your walk with God. These things will hinder you. But there's also things that will help you. There's things that will get a hold of you that will help you connect to God. You can tap into a spirit of prayer that will cause you to pray the way Jesus wants you to pray. It will cause you to rise above the spirits of this area. I was talking to, to Brother Brown last night and I was, we were talking about the spirit realm that we feel here. And I tell you, if I could put it in a word, it's a hopeless feeling. There's a hopelessness, not only in, in churches, but in just people in general. They don't understand what they're feeling, but there's this heaviness upon them. There's this heaviness on their head. It's a hopeless feeling. That stuff can be destroyed through consistent prayer, and you can get a hold of it. This generation right here, you South Dakota and young people, God has brought you here so you can turn this whole state upside down. I'm going to preach it like every one of you are standing up going crazy. I tell you, there's going to be young people in this room. God's going to use you to turn this state upside down. God's going to use you to go back to your church and turn your church upside down. If you'll get a hold of what I'm talking about. If you'll grab a hold of what I'm talking about. God will use you. Shut up, Lift your hands right now and let your voice out for a moment. Talk in tongues if you got the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah! You can be seated. The first dimension of prayer. These seven dimensions coincide with the seven points of interaction in the temple. First dimension of prayer is outer court. Outer court stinks. Burning flesh. When you walk into that outer court, you step out of logic into illogical. You step out of reasonable into unreasonable. You step out of flesh into spirit. There's a something totally illogical happening in the outer court. They are taking animals and they are cutting their throats and burning them on the altar. And it smells horrible. And when people step into the outer court, the jolt to their flesh is powerful. It stinks. 
You can see people stepping to pray. Even at this youth convention, people are saying, pray, 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 lift your hand, lift your hand, shout, dance, do something. And I can tell some of you, I don't feel like doing it, but okay, if I have to, I will. Everybody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. I was actually going to tell you, but everybody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. Oh, God. You know why you don't feel like it? You know why it's heavy? You know why it stinks? Outer court prayer. People sometimes will wander in the outer court their entire prayer meeting. And it stinks the whole time. And you're like, what are these people getting excited about? This stinks, man. It's hard to pray in the outer court. There's no flow. It's choppy. You're thinking about what you sound like. You're thinking about what you look like. You're thinking about everybody else looking at you. There's no flow. It seems like you just prayed 55 minutes and you look at your watch and you prayed for four minutes. Has anybody looked at their watch in prayer and you, your heart just sunk? Oh my God, I've only prayed two and a half minutes. I thought I prayed 28 minutes. Thanks for being honest. Thanks for being honest. Thanks for being honest. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's outer court prayer. Time just barely goes by. It's like tick, talk, tick, talk. And you're saying, oh God, 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 oh God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 Lord, Lord, Lordy, Lord, Lord, Lordy, Lord, Lordy, Lord, 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 Oh my God. Hallelujah. Outer court prayer. The entire purpose of the outer court is to find the brazen altar. The second dimension of prayer. This is where you enter into the crucifixion of the flesh. You subdue the flesh and the carnal mind. That part of you that says, I don't want to pray. You say, shut up, you're praying. Brother Stone King taught me years ago. He said, Joey, either this flesh is going to lead you around by the nose Or you're going to grab this flesh and say, you will obey me, flesh. He said, one time I went into prayer and he said, my flesh didn't feel like praying. I was going to pray two hours. My flesh didn't feel like praying. And so I said, flesh, because you are being rebellious, you're going to pray double what you were going to have to pray before. You're going to pray four hours. Hello, somebody. That's the whole point of prayer is to put this flesh on the altar and say, you will not rule me. I will not obey you. I will not yield to you. I'm going to crucify my flesh. Where's the altar? What can I do to get out of my flesh and into the spirit? Listen, young people. You ought to make it a focus and a priority when you come to church to find out what your flesh doesn't want to do. 
your flesh don't feel like dancing, you ought to dance the mess out of that carpet, man. Stomp on the devil's head. If your flesh doesn't feel like shouting, you ought to fill your lungs with air and shout till you ain't got no more voice left over. Why? Because you are rebelling against the influence of that flesh. You've got to rebel against whatever I've got to do to get out of the flesh. If I've got to act like a fool, if I've got to go crazy, whatever I've got to do to get out of this flesh, I'm going to get out of my flesh. I'm not going to sit like a lump on a log and be dead. I'm going to get out of my flesh. I want to touch spirit. I want to know the Lord. Oh, that's real cute. That's being cute. I want y'all to do something right now. I want you to do what God puts in your heart to do. Whatever you feel to do for the next 20 or 30 seconds. I want you to let it out right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Don't be cute. Don't be all cool. I want you to let it go. I'm coming against the spirit right now. And this thing's going to break tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. I want you to do what you feel. Do what you feel. Do what you... I'm getting up my flesh. I'm going to find the altar. I'm going to find the altar. I'm going to find the altar. That's it. Put it on the altar. Put it on. I don't feel it, Brother Capitella. Right. Put it on the altar. It doesn't feel good. Right. Put it on the altar. Put it on the altar. I've got to die to myself. I've got to crucify this flesh. You may be seated. Why don't you do it while you're seated now? Lift your voice, lift your hands, clap, whatever you feel. While you're seated, let your voice out. Let your voice out.
Third dimension, brazen labor, right after the brazen altar. This is where you get lined up. Spiritual alignment takes place. You take on the responsibility. Only ones that went to the labor were the priests. They washed themselves. You take on the responsibility of prayer. And then, in this dimension, you will feel the cross come upon you. You'll feel the burden for prayer come upon you. You'll find a particular flow that works. It may be thanksgiving. It may be, it may be shouting. It may be uh, supplication. It may be intercession. It may be praising the Lord for an hour. Whatever it is, you're going to find an alignment in prayer that begins a flow in the Spirit. And all of a sudden, while you are praying, you enter the fourth dimension, the breakthrough dimension. I don't know how to describe it except to say the pressure that was in front of you holding you back it's not behind you pushing you forward. It's an exchange of pressure. What was holding you back, the feeling that was holding you back, is not behind you pushing you forward. I'll never forget, I think I told you this story. Maybe I didn't, who cares? I was flying from Washington, uh, I'm sorry, Albany, New York. I was at Brother Stone King's house, my first time being there. And I was flying back home from Albany, New York to Washington, Dulles. At Stone King's house, by the way, I did a three-day fast. I was ready to hear a word from God, have prayer meetings, see angels, walk on water, everything that he does every day. You know what I'm saying? So I went there, and the first night we were there, it's like, Joy, <clears throat> boy, have you ever seen Tarzan of the Apes? 1956 black and white version, boy? No, sir, I have not. We're going to watch that tonight, son. Awesome. That sounds exciting. We go in there, and it's, I don't know if you've ever seen the old, ancient, prehistoric Tarzan of the Apes, 1956 version. Um, <clears throat> it's all black and white. I don't even know if y'all know what black and white. Black and white means without color. I don't know if y'all have I don't, y'all never seen those before, but there's no color. Can you imagine? And so we're watching it, and I'm, I'm, I'm into it. I mean, it's cool. You know, it's, I'm, I'm thinking of all these old effects they used to do, the guy in the gorilla suit and everything. And at the end of the movie, you know, Tarzan has come from the jungle, and they have brought his gorilla father from the jungle. And Tarzan is now going to these dinner parties in London, and they're showing him off. This was a jungle-raised boy, and now he's being sophisticated. And his gorilla father they put in the London Zoo. Well, Tarzan was walking through the zoo looking for his father, and the gorilla father saw him and broke out of his cage to go to his Tarzan jungle son. And the guards that were there saw the gorilla escape and shot him for fear that he was going to hurt somebody. And so he lays dying, bleeding, on the pavement, Tarzan sees his gorilla father. He picks up the guy in the gorilla suit and is saying, I'm so sorry, father. And I look, I hear sobbing. And I look to my right, Stone King's in his recliner over there. I'm sitting on the couch. He's over there. He's got his cuddly, wuddly blanket on and a cup of tea. And he is sobbing. I mean, tears are running down his face. Oh, He's got his hanky and he's wiping the tears and blowing his nose. And he said, Joy, they didn't understand, boy. It was his father. It was his father. Let's pray. Let's pray right now. Let's pray. 
And after Tarzan of the Apes, we had an hour Holy Ghost crazy prayer meeting in his media room. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, Joe, you're not saying nothing, man. The Holy Ghost is here. Jesus must like Tarzan of the Apes because he's here right now. I tell you what. So anyway, I was in the Holy Ghost. I left his house, got on the plane. When I went to the airport, the clouds were hanging low. It was heavy outside. It was dark. It was dreary. It was a storm coming in. You go on the plane and the pilot for American Airlines comes on the intercom and he says, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to American Airlines flight 1453 to Washington, Dulles. Due to the weather, severe weather that we are facing, we are going to be climbing at a faster rate of altitude than you're probably used to. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the flight. Excuse me, what, what, did, he, what did he say? A higher rate, a higher rate what? And so... We all get nervous, needless to say, and the pilot takes off. And I don't know if he had afterburner or, or rocket thrusters in the plane, but he started going up, and he went up, and, and then finally we are, sh no, not that far. It was, about, it was about that far right there. We are going so high and so fast, and my face, I'm back in the seat. I'm Jesus, 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 Jesus. And there's somebody over here, it must have been a Catholic, they had their beads out, and they were saying, Hail Mary, full of grace. And, and, and there, was, there was a guy up there sacrificing a lamb, man. I mean, he was, there's people doing all kinds of stuff all over the plane. And it got scarier and scarier. And that was before we went into the clouds. Then we went into the clouds. And when you get in the clouds, then you really feel the turbulence. It's a little puddle hopper plane, 30 people. Every little bump, man, we're bumping up and down and everybody's screaming. I'm, I'm, I'm crying like a baby. I'm sending a text to my wife, baby, I've always loved you. Hope I, hope I see you in heaven. I mean, it was crazy stuff. And, and the lightning's flashing and we're going higher and it's getting more intense. And all of a sudden, it was dark just a second ago. And now this unfiltered light bursts through every window in the plane. And everybody said, and the plane leveled out and the pilot came on the intercom and said, ladies and gentlemen, we've broken through the cloud cover. Now we will begin our flight to Washington, Dulles. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the flight. And God began to speak to me. Because you see, when you pray... There is a cloud cover of supernatural opposition that Satan has worked for thousands of years to establish as a barrier between us and God. And in South Dakota, it's hanging low and it's dark and it's dreary and everybody here feels it. And when you start to pray, you don't see nothing. You don't feel nothing. All you feel is heavy and pressure and all you feel is weight and tired and you want to get on to something else. And, but you keep on praying. You just keep on praying and your altitude keeps on increasing. And then it might even get worse. And you're like, what am I doing? There's other things I could be doing. I could be spending my time doing something else and I'm getting tired and my voice is hurting, but Pastor Brown keeps on saying, pray more, pray more. And so you keep on praying and your altitude keeps on increasing. And then you feel the jolts and the, the shocks of Satan's voice telling you God's not there. He's not listening to you. You messed up and he's gone. Uh, God's changed his mind about you. You're never going to be like him or her. Uh, you're never going to have anointing. Uh, you're never going to do miracles. You're never going to see God fulfill his will. You hear all these voices and you're getting pushed around and all of a sudden, Light pours into your soul. Pow! 
It's called breakthrough. It's called breakthrough. So if you keep on praying, if you keep on worshiping, if you keep on dancing, if you keep on shouting, you're going to keep on going higher and higher. You're going to break through. And everything switches. Everything changes. Instead of praying for two minutes and thinking you pray 20 minutes, everything's backwards. You can pray for 30 minutes. And you look at your watch and you're like, what? I thought I prayed for three minutes. When you get to the breakthrough level, you don't want to stop praying. How do you know you've reached breakthrough level? It don't stink anymore. How do you know you've had a breakthrough? You don't want to stop. Because you see, when you break through, you're in the outer, you're in the inner court. You pass through the curtain. And what stunk out there smells sweet in here. There's not an altar of burning flesh. There's an altar of incense filling the atmosphere. It's refreshing. It's cool. And there's candles that are lighting up the atmosphere around you. You see angels on the walls and you smell the fragrance. You, you see through God's eyes the process that's happening outside. Our flesh smells stink, but God smells sweet. When we look at sacrifice, we see the stinkiness of it. Y'all with me right now? When God smells sacrifice, it smells sweet to Him. And when you break through into the inner court, that holy place, everything changes. This is where you can get a little bit crazy. Pressure is now pushing you forward. Energy for prayer. You were tired just a minute ago. You were yawning just a minute ago. And now energy just fills your body, your spirit. Your eyes become wide and you can just sit here for a long time in the presence of the Lord. Breakthrough. Everybody say breakthrough. You're in the breakthrough dimension. You feel a thrust in prayer. You cease to worry about the time. And most people stop in the fourth dimension because they've had a good prayer meeting. But there's another dimension. If you learn to linger, slap your neighbor and say, learn to linger. Tell them, don't get up so quick. Slap them again. Say, don't get up so quick. Don't start a fight now. Don't, some of y'all are about to get in a fight. All the, My goodness gracious. The fifth dimension the first thing that you have to do in the holy place is light the candles because you can't see otherwise. There's no doors. There's no windows. That light has to be lit. And when you enter the fifth dimension, the fifth dimension is the reality of the spirit realm and the reality of the presence of Jesus Christ. The fifth dimension is where Jesus becomes a person to you. For some people... Jesus is an idea. If you can just sit in a church service like a lump on a log, Jesus is just an idea to you. He's not a person. But when Jesus is a person, the reality of Jesus is more powerful than the reality of people around you. And you worship a little bit crazy because he's watching. You act a little bit funny because you're more aware that He's watching, then she's watching. Or he's watching, then he's watching. 
You're more aware that God is watching everything you're doing. The way, the way that I act and the way that I am and the way that I do things, I do because I know that He is watching everything I'm doing. I am acting for an audience of one. Everybody else are just actors in the script. Everybody else is just a prop. I'm doing it because Jesus is watching everything I'm doing. And when you enter into that fifth dimension, you will begin to praise God in a way you never have before because you know He's watching. You will begin to worship God in a way you never have before. People might look at you a little bit funny. Wow, I've never seen them do that before. You will begin to worship God in a way you never have before because you know He's watching you. The fifth dimension. And if you stick around a little bit longer, you're going to enter into the sixth dimension. The overflow dimension. This is where things get totally crazy. Your body can no longer handle the presence of God in a sophisticated manner. You can no longer say, oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father. I praise thee, O Lord. Now you're going. (laughs) Holy rolling. (laughs) Things get crazy. Have y'all ever holy rolled? I know you have, Charlie. You don't have to say nothing. I know you have. You live in the Holy Roll realm. How many of you here have been accused of being a Holy Roller? One of you have. Two of you have. Three of you have been accused. Now we got some work to do, folks. Four of you have been accused. We used to be accused of being Holy Rollers. Now, this generation, y'all don't know what black and white TV is or anything like that, and I'm glad. <clears throat> you might not know what a holy roller is, so I'm going to explain it to you very quickly. Holy roller, basically, is <clears throat> someone who has determined, I can no longer sit in my seat and worship God. I can no longer stand behind my pew and worship God. I can no longer just clap and worship God. I can no longer just nod my head and worship God. Matter of fact, I can no longer just shout hallelujah. And even dancing is just not enough. What can I do? Hmm. I think I'll roll on the floor. The only way I can express how I truly feel about Jesus right now is to act like a complete freak by rolling on the floor. And so it's very simple how to do it. You don't really have to feel any goosebumps at all, but you just make up in your mind to get out of your seat Get into a safe place. Now, I've seen some people kind of crash and burn and bonk their heads and cut themselves open. So you don't want to do that. Get into a safe place, a safe distance from high heels and shoes and stuff like that. And you just stop, you drop, and you roll. But you don't do it to put the fire out. You do it to turn the fire on. That's what you do. And some of you need to start holy rolling. That's what you need. I'm so sick of seeing sophisticated Pentecostals. I'm so sick of seeing people that feel comfortable just sitting. Some of you, I have watched you out of the car. I don't want to look at you because you just drain me. Your spirit drains me. I don't want to look at you. But some of you, I have watched and you 
are sitting and you are determined not to move a muscle in the presence of God. And sir, you are not being neutral. You are draining this entire service of what God is trying to do. And you are not hidden. I'm not looking right now because there's a fierce kind of anointing on me. I'm telling you, you are bound by a spirit. And if you don't make up your mind to start moving, God's going to move you out of the way so he can flow in this place like he wants to flow. I'm telling you, sometimes you just got to make up your mind to get a little bit crazy. Get a little bit crazy for Jesus. I can no longer just sit here. I can no longer just sit here. What can I do? I want to do something crazy. I want to do something crazy. I want to give him all of me. Listen, you can be seated. There are some things that you are not going to touch in God until you dance. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how much you fast. I don't care how much you read the Bible. There are some things that you cannot access in God until you dance. And some other things that you cannot access in God until you get really crazy and do something totally illogical. I might have told you all this too, but you know the story. I was praying, fasting, seeking God. I'm talking hours a day. And I could not get in touch with God. It's like God turned the flow off for me. And I didn't realize then, but it was an act of love because I was so used to having this particular feeling of Jesus. And he just turned it off. I got numb. Anybody ever feel numb? Yeah, yeah. I got numb. And I was like, God, did I sin? Did I do something wrong? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? I need a word from God. I need pastor to come lay hands on me. Something, somebody pray for me. What's going on? I, I prayed for hours, hours, hours before church. Please let me have a breakthrough. Please help me to get in the spirit. I want to find you again because I had him with me. He was with me when I worshiped. He was with me when I said hallelujah. I could see him looking at me and I could feel his emotional response to me and everything turned off. And I said, where are you? And I got desperate because I know without God, I'm a complete loser. I have no future. I have no hope. I have nothing to offer anybody without Jesus. Where are you? I can't find you. I need a word. I need a pastor. I need an evangelist. Come give me a word. Somebody do something for me. And the Lord spoke to me in this service, Sunday night service. He said, praise ye the Lord in the dance. But God, I need my preacher to come lay hands on me. I need somebody to prophesy. I need a, I need a word from God. Praise you, the Lord, in the dance. Now, I had never been drunk in the Holy Ghost. I was, I was kind of tight. 
I prayed a lot, fast a lot, but I was tight. I was very stuffy. I was very bashful, actually. And I said, praise you in the day. It's not even a dance in service. They're not, they're not singing my song. My dancing song is, when you're down, down, and now, Jesus, he will bring you out, pick you up, turn you around, place your feet on solid. He's my shelter in the storm, give me strength to carry on. Go. Y'all know that song? That's an old song, isn't it? It's a good dancing song, though. They're not praying my song. You know that? You know what? You want to know When you're down, down, and out, Jesus, he will bring you out, pick you up, turn you around, place your feet on solid ground. He's my shelter in the storm, give me strength to carry on. Call him up. It's a prayer. I know the Lord will sure be there. I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Oh, that's the one. That's the one. Some songs you cannot sit still on. That was my song. God, they're not playing my song. They were playing like, when we get over there. When we... Praise you, the Lord, in the dance. So, I said, all right. I'm going to do it. I got out my hanky. I took my jacket off. Put it in the seat. Took my shoes off. I don't know why, but I did. Wanted to dance in my socks. Put my shoes under the seat. Took my tie off. Took my pants off. No, I'm playing. I did not take my pants off. Seen the fellow paying attention. I went to the side of the building, and people cleared a path for me. It's about this long. And I started dancing unto the Lord. It was not dancing music, and it was not a dancing service. But Joey Campatella was dancing. And I didn't feel nothing. It was the weirdest thing on earth. didn't feel nothing. And I begin to realize I'm out of shape because this burning sensation, it was like right under my left rib cage. It was like somebody took a hot fire iron from the fire and began to jab it into my, I know what I'm talking about. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it was just like, and I'm like, Oh God. Uh, uh. And I said, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I heard you tell me, praise the Lord in the dance. So I will praise you in the dance. And 10 more minutes, man. And after a while, I kind of went away, but my legs started getting feeling like jelly and real heavy. And my neck, I think my pulse went to an unhealthy level because I could feel my heart beating in my neck. <laughs> and my eyes, I could feel my eyes. And I'm, I'm gasping for breath. And people are kind of looking. They knew I was a little bit of a freak. And, but they were, they were looking at me. I'm soaked from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I am literally soaked. Completely drenched in sweat. And after, I don't know, 30 to 45 minutes. At the point of collapse. I said, Jesus, I have given you everything I have got tonight in dancing. You told me to praise you in the dance, and I did it. And I drug myself to the front row where all the guys were sitting, and I sat down. 
And when I sat down, the glory of God opened up over my head and fell on me. I went from zero to 100. There was no warm-up. There was no nothing. I went from feeling nothing, tired, dead, boring, ready to fall over to the glory of God coming upon my body. And it was during announcements. The preacher was saying, like, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, free service prayer. And when the glory of God hit me, he said, Tuesday night. And I said, And I slithered out of the seat onto the ground and begin to speak in tongues and roll violently across the front of the church during announcements. And the way that I was speaking in tongues, it was like at the verge of a falsetto where a guy shouldn't be sounding. You know what I'm saying? It was like, it was high pitch and I, and there was like 4% of my brain that was not drunk. And that 4% was saying, who's making that noise? And then one of my eyes weren't drunk either. And I looked at myself and I was the one rolling on the floor, speaking in tongues like a banshee. And my, my non-drunk eye looked at all the guys that were sitting on the front row. They were on the floor, rolling around, speaking in tongues. And I looked over on the other side of the church and all the girls were on the floor and they were rolling around speaking in tongues. The glory hadn't just fallen on me. It had fallen on everybody in that church. Everybody got it. Everybody got it. Why? Because I wanted to have Jesus and I was willing to do whatever. Brother Campbell, I've never felt to do that. Who cares what you felt? Just do it. Watch what happens. Oh, I got one amen. God have mercy, people. We didn't get the Holy Ghost standing just like this. You were blabbering and slobbering and you were, you were spitting and drooling and, and sweating. What happens to us? We come to church and we can just learn to sit and go through the motion. Come on, somebody. Jesus is inside of you. 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 You got the Holy Ghost. You got the Holy Ghost. You got the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to let him out. 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 Listen to me. You know why some of you don't feel nothing? Because Jesus turned off the tap and you're doing what you've always done. And until you learn 
how to care less about everybody around you and go a little bit further than you've gone before. He's going to keep the tap off. It was an act of love. And you've got one of two choices. You can sit there and shrivel up and die, or you can go to the next level. If you feel a pressure holding your worship back, you ought to be crazy. If you feel some kind of pressure holding your mouth back, holding your praise back, you ought to go a little bit crazy. You ought to let something get a hold of you. You could care less about what you look. Some of you guys look so handsome. Some of you girls look so pretty. I could care less about it. I didn't come for you. I didn't come for them. I'm going to give them everything I've got. Everything I've got. Everything I've got. Everything I've got. He's watching. He's watching. He's watching. He's actually watching me. That's it. Do what you feel for a moment. Do what you feel for a moment. Do what you feel. Whatever you feel. Hey! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! You can be seated. You can be seated. Let your voice out in your seat. Do something crazy while you're seated. Let your voice out. Praise the Lord while you're sitting. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let your voice out. While you're seated, let something flow. Let something flow. Let something flow. Let it flow. Let it flow. Let it flow. Hallelujah. 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 That's the sixth dimension. But if you learn to linger... You will enter the seventh dimension. Seventh dimension is the holiest of holies. Paul said in Ephesians, first chapter of Ephesians, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Everybody say, Blessings are in heavenly places. Ephesians 1 and 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand. In the heavenly places. Everybody say, Christ is seated in heavenly places. Ephesians 2 and 6, and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Everybody say, we are seated in heavenly places. Ephesians 3 and 10, where does the devil live? To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Everybody say, the devil is illegitimately seated in heavenly places. Now watch what Jesus said in John 3 and 12. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe? You can sit down, buddy. How shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? But make sure you do it again, okay? I'm going to give you another chance to do it again. No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. In other words, Jesus said, no one can go to heaven, but he that first came down from heaven. 
even the one that's in heaven. In other words, I'm in heaven right now. I'm on earth, but I'm in heaven right now. He is seated in heavenly places. When you stick around long enough, God will literally raise your spirit off of this earth and seat you in power and authority in heavenly places. He will give you dominion over the principalities and powers that rule and dominate regions in heavenly places. Heavenly places is epiuranos, the spirit realm, the supernatural realm. Your body is walking on earth, but your spirit has been lifted up to disrupt Satan's kingdom everywhere you go. Heavenly places. My wife and I went to Chicago. Probably told you this, but maybe I didn't. Did I tell you all about Chicago? Good. First year anniversary. We're there. It's the hottest summer on record ever. 197 degrees. I might have exaggerated. I think it was more like 110 or something like that. Anyway, we weren't thinking about spiritual warfare. We were thinking about smooching. First year anniversary. We go there. People are treating us really weird in Chicago. I walk across the street. This guy steps out in front of me and lifts his hands, takes his shirt off, lifts his hands. He's huge. He's like six foot eight. Lifts his hands, bars my way and looks at me. I'm thinking, okay, I'm not from Chicago. This is pretty weird. Maybe that's what they do to greet people when they come from foreign places. It was weird. It felt wicked. And another group of people, we were in that, the, the Sears Tower or Hearst Tower, whatever it is, where you step out on the glass and you look down 150 stories. Anybody ever been up there? Pretty crazy. It's like you can pretend like you're committing suicide, you know, you step out there. And when we, when we were up there, there was a family of Hindu people, red dot on their head, across in another line to go out onto another ledge, they were glaring at me like I slapped their grandchild. They were glaring. I'm telling you people, they were like glaring at me. And another instance, we, this guy started talking to us. And, you know, sometimes there's people that just kind of follow you around, want money. But this guy, he didn't want money. He kept following us. And there's, he kept talking to us and, and, and talking to us. And we're like, thank you very much. We're, we're done talking to you. And he kept following us and just gibbering and jabbering. And one thing after another, and I was praying the entire week, God, what is happening in Chicago? What am I dealing with in Chicago? At 1.30 in the morning, Friday, Jesus woke me up from an intense warfare dream. And when I woke up, I felt a very wicked presence in the back of the room. And I felt Jesus standing next to my bed on the right-hand side. And he said, Joey, I have come to tell you what you have been dealing with in Chicago. He said, there are two princes that reign together over the city of Chicago. They are the spirit of homosexuality and the spirit of Hinduism. And he says, these spirits have dominion over the people of Chicago. And that is the darkness that you have been interfering with. Your spirit has been interfering with Satan's influence over this city. And you have stirred up his 
dominion. You have messed up his dominion and a burden for the people of Chicago. This was early in the morning. It was dark. My wife was sleeping. A burden for the city of Chicago came on me. And for 45 minutes, I wept uncontrollably in the bed, asking God to help the people of Chicago for 45 minutes. And God, Jesus walked me through, literally walked me through the exact prayers to pray for the city of Chicago, for the churches that surround Chicago and for the the saints that could be in Chicago, one prayer after another. And at the end of the prayer, he said, now we're going to change from intercession to warfare. You're going to deal with those spirits that I brought in the back of the room. And I was praying in a whisper. My wife was sleeping next to me. I was praying in a whisper. And I, I would rather deal with the spirits in the back of the room than wake up my wife. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? And so he said, I want you to bind the spirits. It was like one spirit with two heads. Homosexuality, Hinduism. He said, I want you to bind these spirits. And so I bound them in the name of Jesus Christ. He said, now I want you to loose angels in their place. And I whispered this prayer. I said, in the name of Jesus, I loose the angels of God in place of these spirits. In the city of Chicago. In Jesus name. And when I whispered. In Jesus name. The person. That had brought those spirits. To our room. Standing outside of our door. Began to scream. To the top of their lungs. It was like somebody was stabbing. Them outside of our door. Wee hours of the morning. My wife shot up out of bed. She said, baby, there's somebody outside of our door. Should we call the cops? And I was in the Holy Ghost. And I was thinking every time that Jesus met a demon-possessed person in the Bible, they did not try to attack him. They didn't try to come get him. He didn't call for the ushers to hold them down. The devils that were inside of them screamed out in terror. They said, we know who you are, Jesus. You're the Christ, the Son of God. There was a fear. And the Holy Ghost was speaking to me. The work has been done. Greater is he that that is in you than he that is in the world. What happened? God raised me up into heavenly places. I was lifted up into heavenly places. And if you keep on praying, if you keep on praying, if you keep on, do you realize what is available to you as an apostolic? Do you realize what kind of weapons you have? Do you realize what kind of power is in your hands? If you keep on praying, if you keep on praying, Lift your hands right now. Let's let our voices out for a moment. Hallelujah. There was a lady, this is probably the last story and I'm done. There was a lady in our church. A lady in another church, actually. Elderly lady. Prayed and fasted a lot. If you wanted healing, you go to her house. Everybody on her street knew this woman had a hold of God. She's the mother of my pastor's wife, Nellie Butler. Nellie Butler went to a flea market in San Jose, California, with her daughter, Naomi Varnum, my pastor's wife. And there was a big crowd seated or or standing in the middle of this flea market. And Nellie Butler 
who prayed and fasted like nobody's business. It was nothing for her to do. A 15-day fast, 21-day fast, no big deal. She did it all the time. It was probably a big deal, but she just did it all the time. She went to the back of this crowd and began to look and see what was happening in the center of this crowd. And a loud woman's voice screamed out, You! And the crowd parted. And humble, elderly Nellie Butler was standing there. And the witch that was in the center of the crowd, demonstrating the power of Satan, looked at Nellie Butler, who was not a preacher. She had never stepped foot in a pulpit. Her name had never been on a flyer anywhere. She just prayed and fasted and prayed and fasted and prayed and fasted. This witch looked at her and said, Lady, you got to get out of here because as soon as you walked up to this crowd, I cannot demonstrate the power that I was just demonstrating. You are messing me up. I don't know who you are or what you are, but you got to get out of here. And Nellie Butler just politely said, okay, and walked on. She didn't have a clue what was happening over there. What was it? This woman had been lifted up into heavenly places. Listen, young people, I'm trying to tell you, some of you, God wants to put an anointing on you that lifts you up in the places that you cannot possibly imagine. When you step into church, you're going to be the key to the power of God falling. You're not just going to sit on the pew and listen, you're not just going to sit there and be a part of it. God wants to make you a key. God wants to make you a catalyst. God wants to make you a catalyst. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 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 And in this service tonight, and for the rest of this convention, God's waiting on somebody here to pick up your sword and say, I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be the one. I'm going to take this giant down. I'm going to be the catalyst. I'm going to be the channel that the Holy Ghost flows through. I'm going to be the one that releases God all over this place. Right now, lift your voice. Right now, lift your hands. Right now, let the Holy Ghost flow. I want you to get out of your seat right now. If you want what I'm talking about, get out of your seat. Get out of your seat and lift your voice. Let the Holy Ghost flow through you. Come on, praise the Lord. Worship the Lord. Flow in the Spirit. Get a hold of God. Let the Lord raise you up. Let Him raise you up. I want to go higher. All right, listen to me. Listen to me. We just hit a spirit. We just got below the surface a little bit. We just dug a little bit and we just hit the first layer of spiritual opposition. We just uncovered a spirit. It is a spirit of discouragement. 
It's a spirit that says no matter how hard you try, you're never going to get there. It's a spirit of hopelessness that says you'll never be like him or you'll never be like her. You're never going to have it. It's a fantasy. That is the spirit we just hit. So you don't have to get up if you don't want to. But while you are where you are for the next minute, I want you to focus on lifting your voice and praying as loud as you can. Do not pray quietly. And as you pray, as you pray, that thing's going to break. Alright, listen to me. We just came in contact with another spirit. We just hit the next level. The spirit that we are now fighting and that is now talking to you and discouraging you is a spirit of intimidation and fear that hides itself in your daily habits. It is a spirit that is telling you, okay, you can do it now, but wait till Monday. You can do it now, but wait till I get you home on Tuesday. Wait till nobody's there watching. Wait till that preacher's not preaching. That spirit that hides itself in your home, it's a cycle spirit. It comes in cycles. No matter how hard you try, you feel like you keep getting to a certain point and you face that spirit and it brings you back to zero. It feels like you're always starting from scratch. I want to tell you right now, that spirit is about to break in this place and God is going to destroy his influence. I want you to grab somebody by their hand. I don't want you to pray for yourself the way that you were just praying for yourself a moment ago. I want you to pray over your friend, your brother, your sister. I want you to break that spirit. I don't want you to cry. We're going to hit one more level. I want you to hear me. We're going to hit one more level. We're going to hit the strong man of this area. The strong man that's affecting your families. It's got so many names, but you can just call it hopelessness. Hopelessness breeds addiction, drugs, alcohol. Hopelessness breeds depression, heaviness, bad choices, bad decisions, lifestyle of bad choices, self-destructive behaviors, hopelessness, depression, hopelessness. It affects your family. It's been affecting your neighbors. It's been affecting other kids in your youth group. It, it wears on your pastors. It wears on the ministry teams. This spirit is standing in direct opposition to what God wants to do in South Dakota. And I want you to notice every time in the Bible that a strong man was destroyed. When you look at David and Goliath, David did something to destroy that giant that was entirely illogical. He did something that absolutely defied logic. It was absolutely, totally illogical. And that is what God used. When Jericho was brought down, it was brought down with an entirely illogical process. And right now, I am going to ask you, if you've got any more strength in your body, I do not want you to pray normal. God is going to put something in your spirit. You may be running around this church. You may run outside. You may beat on a wall. You may grab a hanky and go ballistic. God's going to put something in your mind. What to do to praise Him and to bring this spirit down. To bring it down and you obey the Holy Ghost. No matter how crazy it is. Are y'all ready to break this thing? I want you to get ready right now. Lift your hands and fill your lungs with air. What we have just witnessed and experienced in multitude, you could experience in solitude. As intensely awesome as this moment has been for the past however long we've been praying, 
you could have that privately if you'd build that thing called a closet in your home of prayer. There's nothing like prayer. I, I, I believe in both aspects. We need to pray in multitude, but the power comes from someone that's prayed in solitude. What he just transferred, that word of faith that he spoke, came from a prayer closet. He wasn't speaking theory. He was speaking experience. We got to go somewhere that he's been. You can do the exact same thing starting Monday. But you got to make up your mind. You're going to start building that thing called a prayer closet. If you usually get up at 8 o'clock for school and you want to have at least an hour of time that you give to God, you know, 20 minutes reading the Bible, 20 minutes of prayer, whatever, you know, you, you need to do that. You got to intentionally either have a successful day of prayer. You plan the day before and say, you know what, I'm going to get up at seven o'clock and the first thing I'm going to do is open the word of God and I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to God before I talk to man. And that's how we get to places like we're in right now. But it's a daily thing. I want to, I want to get to that seventh dimension in prayer. But there's not a shortcut. You've got to go through that process. I don't remember if I share this with you, and I'm not going to re-preach or nothing like that right now, but, you know, I'm, I'm not a runner. But I got this from Brother Simmons, who, who runs marathons and distances, which it sounds crazy. I would never run marathons. But he was just telling me there's something called a runner's high. And the most productive ground that you cover is not the beginning when you have the most energy and calories to burn but after you kind of flesh out and you go through that miserable grind of the first 10 minutes or 20 minutes of the run in a marathon, once you find your stride and you hit that runner's high, you cover the most ground. But you got to go through that first process that stinks and is absolutely miserable, that outer court. Let's stand together and let's make up our mind right now. We're going to start building our prayer closet. I believe... We just got an inch. I, I absolutely believe we had, we had a breakthrough spiritually and we, we broke through the strong man. But this, when the spirit is cast out of a man, it wanders through dry places, seeking rest and finds none. And so after we have this victory over this weekend, he's going to come back and he's going to look into your life and see if you actually built a prayer closet. If you haven't, that means there's vacancy for that spirit that just got cast out of here. It's going to come back, and the end result of you will be worse than at the beginning. We have to get back to prayer. Amen? Amen. I'm about to re-preach. i got to stop. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you.